Thank you so much for listening to this new episode of Heartfelt Consciousness. And I am your guide, Laura Bender. So today's guest is Dawn Rivers, and she discusses her yoga journey, which began in 1999 when she started practicing with Raggy VHS video tape. Um, and then a couple of years later, uh, she joined a gym and began practicing yoga where she discovered a yoga studio that just became her home for almost over 10 years. So I hope you enjoy the conversation that we have and uh, thank you for listening. So I'll see you guys on the other side. All right. Well, good afternoon, Don. How are you? I'm great. Thank you. Fantastic. Awesome. Um, so I just wanted to kind of give the audience a little bit of a tidbit of how we met. So I actually had auditioned for your studio space. Um, yes. I probably was about two years ago, maybe. Three yeah. It was, well, it seems like was, forever ago. We've only been open, um, not quite two and a half years ago. So it was okay. about two years ago. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And, um, it's this really cute little space within the downtown area of uh, Bedford, right? Am I getting mm-hmm. that right? Yes. And because um, it kind of reminds me of Olmstead Falls where I live too. Have, we have that little cute little niche mm-hmm. um, place that has, um, and it was just the perfect setting because there was like natural sunlight coming in. You had a really just bright and sunny atmosphere in the studio. The students were great. And yeah, it was a, it was a great time. I, I think just at that point in time, things were just going on with me and I, um, sure. you know, I don't know exactly what was happening, but you know, I ended up mm-hmm. not, not working there, but, um, other than that, um, would you mind maybe telling the listeners a little bit about yourself and your journey with yoga and, um, just other forms of practice that you have? Sure. Um, well, let's see. Uh, I was a school librarian for 20 years and I resigned from my position as a school librarian and, um, September 2019. I'm trying to think like what year are we in? (laughs) I know, right? (laughs) But while I was doing that, I've always had like yoga in the background. So 1999 or yeah, I think 1999, um, I went into one of the public libraries and found a videotape of Rodney Yee. So I call him Rodney Yee, the OG, because he's been around and he's and I probably think informed you're definitely, a lot of people. Uh, yeah, and you're definitely uh, probably one of the many guests that has probably got that same video and also done the same practices. See, right. Yeah, yeah. he changed my life because I was in my my late 20s and things were just like, eh. Um, and I heard yoga was good for stress, you know, like it's good for stress, it's good for stretching. <laughs> so I would do that. And I really enjoyed his style of Hatha yoga. And then there was like a local PBS morning yoga. I would do that at like 6 a.m. Um, and then a couple of years later, I joined a, a gym in, um, at Case Western Reserve and did yoga there for the first time with people. And I was like, oh, but it was a gym and like there were mirrors on the wall and people would watch you. But it was all good because I had an actual physical teacher. I did that for a handful of years. And then I was at a restaurant and saw one of those flyers or postcards that said, um, a week of unlimited yoga for like $15 or something like a new student offer. And I was like, okay, spring break is coming up. I'm going <laughs> to do that. And this was right at the beginning of like this huge influx of power vinyasa in a heated studio, the hot yoga, hot yoga. And I was like, okay. So I would go every day at nine 30. It's like 90 degrees. Some of the classes are 90 minutes. 
I would come home and sleep for two and a half hours. Said, what is this madness? (laughs) (laughs) But I liked how I felt. That summer, I practiced pretty much every day. I think they had one of those $99 deals. And, mm-hmm. you know, as a school librarian, you're off in the summer. So I would go and I did that. At the end of the summer, the studio was like, so you've been coming a lot and we have a karma yogi position. Would you be interested? And I said, okay, what does that mean? And it meant like cleaning the yoga studio and you get a free mm-hmm. class. And I did like three different teachers. And then I would also pay. And I was going seven days a week still. Wow. And things started to transform in my life. I had hip aches, back aches, and headaches since I was a kid, headaches. Mm -hmm. And slowly that stuff started to dissipate. And I was like, I feel better. I feel kind of good. And I was just releasing and releasing and releasing in yoga. I called it my sanctuary because it was a place where I could connect, I could pray, I could cry. And no one cared. Yeah. And so it was like safe. And I did that um, for a long time. Uh, I was a karma yogi. I forget for how many years, three or four. And then I became a desk yogi at this studio for about five years. And during that time, I was like, I think I want to be a yoga teacher. So I kind of like whispered it to my manager and they were like, well, we just been waiting for you to decide. I was like, really? <laughs> that's awesome. It was like already predestined. Apparently they, they were like, we've been watching you. And I said, okay. So 2013, I did my yoga teacher training um, and I was a power vinyasa teacher. And I was like, yes, whoa, do this, jump back. But let me just back up a little bit because the first time I went to one of these classes, it was an intermediate yoga class. Mm. And I was like, well, I've been doing yoga like five, six years. I'm going to go to that. I'd never in my life seen anybody flying, hovering, floating, jumping up into handstands. I rolled my mat up. And was like, I got to go. And the teacher was like, no, 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 no. That's okay. It's okay. And that teacher, her name is Marnie Tash. She's one of my, my all-time favorite teachers. And she made me feel comfortable to stay. And I used to take her class every morning for years at 8 a.m. on a Saturday, well, every Saturday morning, and, and practice right next to her. I'm one of those people that I like to be right by the teacher because I'll be distracted. Mm-hmm. Um, so... I became a yoga teacher and during the teacher training, we had to like do a lot of different things as far as like self-development, which I tell people when you get training, it's not just you teaching people poses. You got to learn about yourself. Right. And um, we had to write down some goals and I was like, you know, I want to infuse like my, my faith in yoga. And I had like this business wasn't like legit business Um, when I was younger called daybreak services as a librarian, I would help edit and write papers and stuff like that for folks. So daybreak was a part of my walk because um, years ago when I was in college, I was a campus minister and um, this lady was like, you're a light on the hill. And I was like, Emma. So if you see my logo, it's the sun coming out of two hills and daybreak is a play on my name, Dawn. So I'm writing in my journal, I'm going to make daybreak yoga. That's going to be the thing. And, um, then we had to do like a five-year goal. So I said, five years, I'm going to open up my own studio and all these other things. So graduated, got a job at the YMCA, taught all over YMCA's in Cleveland and did like corporate stuff, had private people and just slowly was growing daybreak, daybreak, daybreak. Mm-hmm. I was at an event um, for like a bunch of um, 
middle school and high school students. And this guy comes up and he was like, do you have a yoga studio? And I said, um, are you flirting with me? <laughs> and he was like, no, I, I'm actually not. And I was like, but you should be. No, anyway, no, he and I are friends. He said um, that he has a martial arts studio or dojo or whatever. Mm-hmm. And there's a room in the back and he wanted to incorporate yoga. Would I be interested? And I was like, well, okay. So I took my best girlfriend and I was like, go with me. Cause I don't know if this guy's real. And she went and it was real. And I rented this space in the back of his studio. And that's how Daybreak grew. And it was interesting because I just said, I'm taking a chance on myself. I had a summer off. I did a summer special. I had like six people. And I was like, yay, that signed up for my special. And it just kind of to grow from there. I used Facebook. I had special events. I had workshops. I had this thing called Self-Care Sunday. Another one called Slow Down Sunday, where we did slow flow yoga to R&B music. Um, Self-Care Sunday was for women. We did yoga journaling and meditation. I had special guests. And that was one of the ways that I learned to grow. So if I had somebody, they would share what they were doing and they would bring people to my space. Yeah, absolutely. And then there were other organizations that I would do like privates there. Mm -hmm. And probably a year and a half, I said, I think I want to open up my own yoga studio. And at first I thought it was going to be in a different city altogether. My mom had a, a, an ocular stroke. She has mm-hmm. um, a little bit of uh, vision issues. Mm-hmm. So I moved in with her and we were walking around downtown Bedford. And I was like, wait, there's a for rent, for rent, for rent. I was like, maybe I should have my studio here because we live kind of close by. And I was like, that might work. So I found a place, called the guy, went through the processes. And um, when I signed my lease, I said, wait a minute. It's been five years since I wrote and my goals that I wanted to open up my yoga studio. Oh, yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and I was like, ah! Um, so I did that. I worked the yoga studio part-time, growing it, and my job full-time for a year. Mm-hmm. I did coaching. I also did my advanced yoga teacher training with Faith Hunter in Washington, D.C. Mm-hmm. I would drive there once a month. Um, I also did training with Tracy Stanley in Atlanta. I went down there twice. Um, and that year I was exhausted. I was exhausted. I was like, what, what am I doing? But I felt like I knew that I had plans for myself and my studio. And I wanted to have some of that stuff out of the way. My kids are adults. They're, they're off in their own lives. So I was able yeah. not to worry about that part. Um, so, yeah. And then in 2019, I quit my job and it's been a year and some change of full-time entrepreneurship in oh, a pandemic. Yeah, I know. Right. Oh my gosh. I was like, what? wait, Jesus, you know, I quit my job, right? What are you <laughs> it's doing? like, what do you do? Yeah. What, what exactly, what wrench are you throwing in here? It's, it's been like four months. <laughs> oh my gosh. I was like, hold on now. <laughs> oh man. So, you know, I was kind of going back to, you know, you're talking about during your teacher training, you had to manifest or come up with this um, idea of opening the studio at that point. Um, so like, what do you feel, what was your why? Why, why did you want to do, why did you want to actually do that? Do you remember? I don't exactly remember. I think that I wanted to have a space that felt comfortable for people like me, because when I did power vinyasa, my friends, black women did not come because it's mostly affluent, skinny white women. 
and it's hot and black women, depending on how your hairstyle is, <laughs> it'll sweat out. And people are like, I don't want to do that. I don't want to do that. So it was, or there were other issues that I heard, like some people just didn't feel comfortable or people would move their mats away from them. And I think that was like slowly in the back of my head, but I knew for sure later when I did open up my studio, when I did decide, because I did some yoga retreats um, with women of color in Atlanta and people from all over share their story of this. And one of my business partners, she shared the story of that happening in Cleveland where she's plus size. And they were like, are you sure you can do yoga? She's like, I'm a yoga teacher. So these microaggressions, wow. I was like, that won't happen in my space. I yeah. won't let that. I'm going to do my best not to cause more terror trauma or anxiety for people. Because yoga is supposed to be this, you know, like healing modality. But if if folks don't come, <laughs> yeah. if they feel like they're going to have more, you know, trauma, why would they come? So I think in the back of my head, it was that. But I know for sure later in about 2018, um, once I really, 2016 is when I started to really, um, connect with yogis of color. I started looking mm -hmm. for black women in yoga. And I had this list, actually the first person, everybody knows this, who would come to my, my stuff. It was Faith Hunter. I found her on a humble. I don't even know how I found her Instagram or something. And I was obsessed with her. I watched her videos. I signed up for her stuff and she was on my walls. Like I will meet her. And she came to Columbus, Ohio for a, a workshop and I had this like daybreak shirt and I was like, hi, Aww. daybreak. And she was like, oh, you're daybreak. Cause you know, well, if people don't know those listening, if you want to get to know somebody who's famous or a verified check, you have to be engaging on mm -hmm. their platform. So I let her know who I was and she was like, oh, you're daybreak. And I said, yeah. And I said, um, this is for you. Gave her the shirt. And I said, I have a question. Will you be my mentor? And she was like, yeah, but you have to do my advanced yoga teacher training, 300 hours. I was like, uh, what? <laughs> it's, it's in DC. This is, I live in Cleveland. And one of my other friends who lived in Columbus, she was doing it. She was like, you got to do it. So because yeah. I had set that intention, I did the work, I decided. And then there were other people like Jessamine Stanley, Tracy Stanley. Um, let's see who else. Uh, well, I met... Chelsea Jackson Roberts, uh, Octavia Rahim, a whole bunch of women of color and then other yogis of color like, um, uh, um, what's his name? Blissmore, Light Watkins, um, mm -hmm. Justin Michael Williams. I had a ton of people. Now I have like a new list um, awesome. because these people have influenced me. And oh, also, of course, Rodney Yee, the OG. So I met him. <laughs> oh, you got to meet him? For oh, yeah, too? yeah, yeah. I awesome. did meet him, I think, in 2018. And I've done a few workshops with him because he comes to Columbus and Canton, Ohio, um, pre-pandemic. So yeah, I did yeah. some stuff with him. And to sit with him and his wife, um, Colleen Seidman, I think it is, ye, and how they approach yoga, I'm always like, that blew my mind. Well, that's why he's the OG, right? That's why he's the OG. He's the old gangster <laughs> of yoga. He is. If y'all don't know, you better know. Look him up. <laughs> so yeah, that was, I, I, I wouldn't say that because I made a goal. So the goal slowly turned into more of a specific manifesting mm -hmm. um, idea. Yeah. That's how it works, right? I guess that's how it works. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, 
so your studio, like you said, you created the space that's that has the you know inclusiveness and the accessibility to um, the students that are all there. Um, so how do you practice this off the mat? Oh, um, I would say that uh, it's important to me to continue to learn. I was a school librarian um, and research information resources are paramount to me. So for me to practice that off the mat, I've made connections with other people. I want to uh, learn from them. I want to continue to grow. Like, for example, I made a connection with a teacher who's local. Her name is Megan Davis, and she does trauma-informed yoga. And mm-hmm. she helped me understand more by doing her, tr- her training, came to my yoga teacher training. We all learned, and that opened up my eyes more. Um, working with some people in the LGBTQ plus A plus Q, you know, I don't know all the letters. I'm sorry, everybody. That's okay. Working with some, uh, <laughs> some, um, some folks in that industry or, you know, that community mm-hmm. and um, continue to listen because that's like, I would say that's the hard, part, hardest part. And my kids are 30 and 25 and my 25 year old sometimes is like, mother, like get on the bandwagon. And I said, well, I'm a 51 year old Toyota. <laughs> It's going to go a little slower to catching up to some of these things where we don't always switch off. My generation doesn't necessarily process and understand things as quickly. So I'm trying to be understanding and keep my emotions out of the way and think logically to make my connections with people and take them at face value. And it, it takes you know practice. But on the other side, I need people to be understanding for me, too. It's like. Some of these terms, ideas, or communities didn't exist when I was 25. They just didn't. Yeah, that's true. So, yeah, talking about the pandemic. Okay, (laughs) here we go. Um, So especially, yeah, 2020, especially, things are starting to kind of look up, hopefully, a little bit. Mm -hmm. Um, So, you know, honestly, many of us had to pivot and just kind of change change directions, create new things. Oh, my gosh. Um, so you're in the process actually of creating and launching like a one-on-one coaching and group coaching academy. So I want Mm -hmm. you to, would you mind speaking of that a little bit? Sure. Well, I did have one-on-one coaching before last Mm -hmm. summer. Um, well, actually it's not last summer. I had a mentorship program. So that was my first dabble into group coaching. I've done one-on-one coaching probably for three years, Mm -hmm. um, unofficially and officially for about two years as I'm learning how to coach, because I know as an individual, especially through the pandemic, I needed coaching. I was like, well, what the hell? What's next? So learning how to pivot means you have to really go deeper in learning about yourself. You have to peel back some of those layers. You have to do some healing. And the idea that I created last year was all based on the wisdom of yoga, the Mm -hmm. yamas and the yamas, which, um, as a, a teacher trainer, I started to love the yamas and the yamas more so than I did when I trained. You, you can't really like teach people stuff if you don't really know it yourself. So I had to mm-hmm. do some more in depth and um, it made me say, wow, I could actually connect the two as we go through this, the five steps of the yamas and the five steps of the yamas and create a platform to help folks build a business, Mm -hmm. to build a brand, 
And some people don't, they don't want a business. They want a brand, but most people have some kind of idea of like, well, I guess I could, you know, I'm good at making needlepoint. I could sell some of that. People do that. Or people like my pies. It doesn't have to be a brick and mortar, but it could be your side hustle. And using this path, this wisdom of yoga, not having to be a yoga teacher. So I call it the business of yoga Academy to learn how to use what you've already kind of studied and frame your approach to make it a little bit more um, ethical. And I don't mean like capitalism is not ethical because we need capitalism in order mm-hmm. to live. But this idea of um, this softer version and learning more about yourself because there's meditation in it, there's affirmations in it, there's some journaling in it, there's getting over your fears, there's getting over... Um, you know, like those trigger points or learning, I guess, what the trigger point is so you can work through it. So, yeah, that sounds like, yeah, actually I took a similar program through uh, my vinyasa practice. They offered, um, they offered it to the staff and it was called mind mindfulness coaching. So it's kind of applying this again, trying to find those tenets of mindfulness and applying it to a coaching kind of scenario. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, just kind of picking, like you're saying, picking out those finding, discovering your limiting beliefs. And absolutely. Um, yeah, yeah, I, I definitely yeah. just going through the process myself. Um, yeah, it, it was just an amazing experience and it just opened up a lot of, um, a lot of avenues, a lot of doors that I didn't realize I even had mm-hmm. this limiting belief just kind of stuck in the back of my head for like for years. And, for years. um, yeah, discovering that it just, it's and it's, it's like you get past one and then here comes another. You're like, yeah. wait, you're still back there. I got more back there. <laughs> it's like, come on, catch up. <laughs> what are you doing? Let's get out. <laughs> I mean, so it's limiting beliefs, but it's also like yeah. very specific things on how to start your business. Um, yeah. um, and like this, telling your story, that's a big part of yoga teacher training is yeah. telling your story. But also in order to have a business, you have to know what your story is so you can attract the ideal client. Mm-hmm. And if you don't know, what you've been through and, you know, like how you use that to develop and grow, how can you bring in clientele? And so like, yeah, um, I, I've been through quite a bit of stuff, but you know, I'm still here. The pandemic was scary and I um, had to close the studio for about how many months is that from March to July, what is that? Four months. Um, And I, that, threw me off because we had to go online and I wasn't online before, but now we zoom all the time. Yeah, Everybody's exactly. Zooming. It's like, this is nothing new. Nothing. <laughs> it's like, Got this. it's like no big deal. Yeah. So thinking about even 2020 or even just even now, um, what do you find is the most valuable lesson that you kind of pulled from that? Oh, community. So one of my coaches Mm-hmm. Um, Justin Michael Williams. I did when I was working like a full-time job, Mondays continue to be my long day. He had coaching, um, group coaching. And this was before Zoom kind of became a thing. So it was coaching calls. And he lives in LA. The call would be at seven Pacific, 10 Eastern. Ooh. But I needed to be on this call. And it was six yeah. weeks. So I would get up at five in the morning, do a little bit of yoga administration kind of stuff on my computer, mm-hmm. go to work, teach library skills all day, teach two library, teach two yoga classes, one for kids and one for staff, then come to the studio, teach two more classes. Oh my. 
come home and be on the call, sometimes fall asleep. So we, he and I made a connection. And remember I said, I had people on my list. He was like the last person on my list. I met him in December, 2019. So my 2019 list, everybody was there. So he, um, he was on Facebook live and this was maybe April. Um, and he was like, wait, Don, 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 I, I got to ask you something. Don't go off the live. And I said, okay. And he was like, how are you doing? And I was like, I'm okay. And he was like, well, how's the studio? And I just <clears throat> burst out crying. Yeah. And I told him I created my version of a Patreon platform. I created a membership. Mm-hmm. You pay this amount of money, you get one class, this amount you get, I don't know, four and this unlimited. And he was like, just ask for help. I said, what? He was like, just ask, what do you need? And I was like, well, rent. (laughs) Yeah. The the electric bill, the gas bill, the water bill, the internet bill, because I did not want to be in a delinquency with any of these utilities. And my landlord did give me a couple months of break. He gave me one, like, I think one or two, maybe one month all the way off and then two months half, which helped. And so he said, this is what I want you to do. I want you to figure out exactly how much you need and tell people. So I am bawling on this call, like, oh my gosh. And he was like, what's, what are your, you know, like, what's your um, cash app? What's your whatever, all these things. And I'm telling people and they're like, boom, boom, boom. His followers were sending me money. And he said, he texted me later and he said, I want you to put together an email and send it out to your community saying exactly what you need. So I did that. I put it on Facebook, Instagram, and the website. I would say by the end of that week, the donations from the community paid for everything that month and half of the next month. Oh, that's beautiful. That is amazing. It was amazing because I asked because my community wanted me to stay. So we think that we're isolated because we have to social distance. We have to do all that. There are so many people who want to rally to support you, to see you win, to see you succeed, to hold you up, to help you feel better. But if we don't tell them, they won't know. Yeah. So that's my biggest lesson. That's amazing. Wow. That almost kind of made me choked up a little bit there. I'm like, absolutely. It's, 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 it's I get beautiful. choked up too. It is beautiful. Just hearing Laura, the, it's the real story. though. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's amazing. Well, thank you to all those, all those people that supported you. Cause that yes. you're, and now you're here with me talking even too. Cause I'm in the same, I was in the same boat. You know, you all of a sudden you go from teaching all these classes to zero yeah. real quick. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, just being, um, yeah. And just having this opportunity has been awesome. So Dawn, I thank you so much for your time and energy today. Oh yeah. Um, so, ha- so have a great rest of your day and I'll hope you to see too. you very again soon. All right. Take care. Thank you. Bye. Thanks again for tuning into this episode of Heartfelt Consciousness. And again, hope you enjoyed the conversation with Dawn. And as always, don't forget to share, review, and subscribe. Be well, my friends.